Welcome to Iman Amongst Men. This is the show where we take an honest look at what it's like to be a man in today's world. We don't shy away from topics most people are too afraid to talk about. We're going to take it all the way there. Make sure you rate, comment, subscribe wherever you listen to all your podcasts. Let's start the show. Welcome to Iman Amongst Men, powered by Shea Moisture Men. I'm Iman Shumper Hill, my big brother Ari. Ari, gonna say what up to the people. What's going on, people? I'm Ari, and today we're joined by an LA legend, executive, entrepreneur, and world famous jeweler. Give it up one time for Ben Baller. What's going on, man? Welcome to the show. (laughs) 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 What's up, (laughs) y'all? Yeah, we love love the celebratory uh, intro. Appreciate that Shy Town love, man. I I love it. You know that. Yo, we got uh, the theme of today's episode being dropping jewels. I know right now you segueing into other things. Uh, we just thought it'd be cool to uh, play off of you know, nah, that's, that's jewelry making and us seeing that you've done other podcasts lately. You've you've been talking a little bit, and when you have, especially I saw the one with Katino Mobley. You connect timelines for people. Yeah. Uh, Being a part of doing so many different things, being a part of so many different uh, places in history and saying, yo, I did a chain here. I was (laughs) I was behind the Mm -hmm. scenes working uh, with a record label here. I was playing basketball here. Signing acts here. Yeah. Yeah, Playing (laughs) football here. (laughs) I mean, I've had like 50 50 lifetimes, you know, and um, (laughs) I almost I could take it back to like tattoos, for instance. Sometimes tattoos, people regret I'm not, I mean, you know, my wife and kids are tatted on me, so, like, I'm not tripping on that. But, like, anything else, I, I might think, oh, man, what 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 I do that? So I'd be like, what the fuck was you thinking? Whatever. <laughs> but, um, Instant comfort. It, 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 it ends up being, like, a, a ghetto timeline of my life. And I look back what I was doing at that point. And, um, you know, to be honest, I've been doing Joy for almost 18 years. And I don't even think I really considered myself a jeweler because I've done so many things in my life and I just felt like, damn, maybe I'm, I'm a modern day renaissance man. It took until the ASAP Ferg song to go 10 times platinum and go diamond and be like, shit, I'm a fucking jeweler. This is crazy, right? <laughs> and I won jeweler of the year, which is like the most, that's like winning the NBA mm-hmm. championship. And it's like globally, right? And I won it back to back. But I always looked at myself as like, just like a businessman, you know, I did, I played sports. I, uh, I was, you know, a, a sneaker designer. I was a record executive. I had been like so many different things. I always looked at myself as a DJ because that's what I felt like. But I was like, man, as an adult, this is the longest lasting career. <laughs> and it wasn't that I didn't. I just felt like I identified as so much more as a man. So, you know, I always tell people, look, I'm a father and husband before any of the titles in life, right? Then we could talk about whatever from there. But the most important thing was being classified as a jeweler. If someone walked up to you all the time, it's like, oh, of course, you're a basketball player or whatever. The f- I mean, I don't know. It's like... You got jewelers who have that in their in their name. And now I get it if Instagram is there, boom, and that, that's, you know, your marketing thing. Like, oh, um, um, Benny the jeweler, whatever the fuck it is. Like, I just felt right there. It's already boxed me into, it, it's, it's mm-hmm. put me in one place. And I can't really, you know, because I'm, I'm involved in all kinds of things, right? Yeah. So I am making a slight pivot. And I could do jewelry until I'm 70, 80 years old if I want oh, to. Wow. I just, um, 
you know, like I just feel like it's a different point in my life now where uh, I'm, I'm exploring different things. It's like driving Uber. You're like, I'm make jewelry in my, you know, in between <laughs> time when I, you feel me? Like I got other plays going, but in the meantime, I can yeah. give you a lift and get you a change. Right, now in the meantime, he's gonna deal with the quick success. Real talk, I gotta get you a you change. You think that's though. what it is? Like success is just too quick, too abundant, and you get tired of it? So I don't think it was too quick because, you know, um, my success took 30 years to get here, right? And I think everything I do now, there's some misses, there's some L's. Mm -hmm. The L's are definitely um, the ones I think about more, not because they're, they're losses, but because there were lessons. And I think um, one thing also, let me, let me like clarify this, being an Asian American and growing up in the hood and, and being around people like, you know, like, of course, because of my parents being immigrants coming here, there was nobody in the fucking 80s or 70s that were listening to hip hop and break dancing and doing shit that I was doing or going to jail and getting in trouble. And like, you know, it's like, oh, it's so stereotypical because you're around Mexicans and black people, blue. I'm like, no, my interest <laughs> was different than y'all. You know what I mean? I mean, right. I don't know what the fuck you guys listen to, whether it be Billy Joel or whatever the fuck it was. It wasn't what I was listening to. And just the things that interest me were different. And um, throughout my life, you know, after I made my first million, I realized, okay, I have options. And kind of, you know, saying no is so powerful, right? Being able to say no to people. And I learned that at a, at a you know, at, at the perfect time. I just think now, you know, um, I know how to enter any business. If I wanted to start selling mugs, you know, I'm going to study the back room. And I'm like, all right, look, I got that part down. The business side, I'm not worried about because everything can kind of apply to almost any business you do, whatever it is, right? Marketing is kind of something I, I specialized in. And I never went to school for it. Just, you know, I was who I was before social media existed. I've been Ben Baller since 1992, you know. And um, I think, uh, you know, the, the success is one thing, um, but I think the privacy is everything now, you know. Just my lifestyle completely has gone through a, quite a bit of a change in the last couple of years. Um, and I think uh, my energy has been different. And I think those days of me wearing 10 chains and, pulling up in a Rolls Royce everywhere here and there. Not that I was asking for it. It was a part of my life and, and that's cool. I just think that that lifestyle now ain't me. I've evolved from there and I think that also would invite, you know, all the shit that's going on right now in the streets. I just feel like, and I'm already a lick to people, you know what I mean? And I'm like, man, I don't want to go back to the old ways, man. But um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a mixture of everything that's wanting me to change this way. Growing up in K-Town, who would you say your biggest, uh, yeah, I'm going to call it K-Town. <laughs> I want to fit in. Clarify it first, man. You no, 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 no. It's a, it's a, it's a K-Town in Chicago. Uh, I got people. I learned the hard way. Yeah, <laughs> I got people from there. He, he told me a story. I thought it was funny. He said he was in Chicago, and he got, give them your, can they see your K-Town yeah. tattoo? He got the K-Town tattoo on his arm, and they, they tapped in with him like, you ain't from K-Town, shorty. You ain't, you, ain't, you ain't from over there. <laughs> and I'm real proud about where I'm from. Right. So I'm like, so he hit Nay ass with the, Psh, yeah, all right. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> he say the energy shifted. His man's had to get out the car like, hey, y'all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, yeah. I'm from K-Town, Koreatown, Los Angeles. Um, <laughs> I just <laughs> clarification. <laughs> he like, yeah, Los hey. Angeles. But uh, growing up in K-Town, uh, who was your biggest mentors, you would say? Um... Mentors is, 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 is a tough thing. Uh, there weren't really many Asian people on television or in, in the spotlight. So, you know, Bruce Lee, definitely one of them. But um, I was real attracted to, to the whole 
lifestyle of Mike Tyson. You know what I mean? But there's mm. a dude in the streets who um, I've, I've known. I've never heard somebody say that. It makes sense. Right. He just didn't give a fuck. And, you yeah. know, I just felt like I was getting in a lot of trouble. <laughs> and then when I got to meet Mike and do a show, I realized how well-versed and how brilliant he was. Actually a very intelligent dude. And there was a dude back in the day when I was growing up who was running all through L.A. And his name is Freeway Rick Ross, the real Rick Ross. And there was like a folklore. There was a legendary Damn. thing going around. He was, and the reason why he's on the freeway is because he was going through, you know, yeah, doing yeah, old yeah. car dealerships. I, to see a black man pull up in, you know, there wasn't, you know, in anything you think of, Benz's and everything. It was a different, you know, now there, there's 70 different kind of car brands every year and different kinds of models. Back then, it was either you had a cool car or you had a regular car, or you had some mm -hmm. shit. And, um, you know, that was one thing right there. And then in 1982, I met Ice T. He became like a, a second godfather to me, kind of guided me through things. And then later on in life too, probably some years later, um, a dear friend of mine, Mr. Cartoon, he became my mentor. Oh. And he's only a little bit older than me, but he was doing things at such a young age. I really admired what he was doing culture-wise, street-wise, and everything. And those guys, to this day, I have a great relationship with both of them. What type of mentorship were they? They more like vocal? Like, I, like you got like your levels, I always think of it. Like my examples, like uh, my brother Ari, he we get into it and it was like we'd fight, but he kind of taught me how to draw a line with people, how to say some uncomfortable shit. It's like, why can't you tell me to my face that you hate that? I don't take it bad no more. You know what I'm saying? That, right. that teach you how to learn. Then I got people that I got, I got to get around this like, oh, I'm gonna learn from this, but like I learned from Melo. Melo's not gonna give you a vocal lesson. Right. He's gonna go out here and he's gonna do it. He's gonna show you. He's gonna show yeah. you, he's gonna do it, and then he's gonna give you a look. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that everybody has their way. I just wanted to like, when you talk mentorship, is this somebody, are they like, yo, you need to do this? You need to like always checking on so, your type of vibe or it's like you gotta go sit down with them or? So you gotta remember back in 1982, it wasn't like there, there was literally house phones. And at that point, there wasn't even touch tone. How, you had to, you know, dial. You were spending a lot of time with people. I was hanging out with Ice-T because I was a break dancer. And the first big LA- Another life. Yeah. The, one one, one <laughs> yeah, of the first big hip hop life. movies was Breaking. Mm -hmm. And I remember being an extra in the movie. There was an all ages club called the Radiotron right by MacArthur Park. And this is like an area where, you know, I remember, I'll never forget, when they emptied out MacArthur Park, they found a lot of bodies in there. This was a crazy area where Mata Sabatucha was kind of like born there. A lot, there was like seven different gang areas, things and stuff. And I remember he saw me and I just thought he was dope rapping and everything. Yeah. And he kind of guided me to a point like, hey man, that dude you hanging out with, man, his brother's a big dude in, 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 you know, in, in a Crip mm -hmm. gang. And, and I was like, you hang out with Crips. The fuck is wrong with that? You know what I'm saying? Like, what? what's wrong? <laughs> he goes, man, I don't know, man. You know, you just, I don't think that's, a, that's, you should go that way. I'm like, well, I appreciate you telling me that, you know, it's cool. And I didn't listen to him, you know, I just sat around <laughs> with Crips, so like, fuck him, you know? But he definitely told me as I would see him, and you like randomly pop up somewhere, he would give me money and um, be like, yo, man, uh, there's this dance contest here. And it was like, these places would be like, you know, in Orange mm -hmm. County or something. Like, How the fuck am I going to get out there? So my big brother would drive me to places and I would do these breakdance contests and things. And he just kind of always came and checked in on me. And um, what's crazy is, shit, 14 years later, I ended up being the A&R for his, his sixth album, Return of the Real, uh, album number six on Priority Records. I was head of A&R at Priority, and up being his A&R. 
So now I'm giving direction for the 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 thing. It was like a, it was a full circle moment. And me and Ice T are still cool to this day. But yeah, it was like more like you know just him and his wife, his, his partner Charlene, and kind of just always looked out for me. Like, yo, you good? You need to ride home? I'm I'm cool. I'm about to walk. And back then, it's like I don't know, like walking 20 blocks. So like I don't know what you want. Like, man, I grew up here. I'm good. Don't worry about it. Ain't no one fucking with me here. I'm good. And I'm like a little kid, you know. And um, I think there was a lot of uh, just even like simple words he would say to me. And um, I just aspired, and I know it sounds stupid, but she had this slant-nosed Porsche. And I'm like, man, one day I'm gonna pull down La Cienega in the slant-nosed Porsche. One day I'm gonna have three oh. bad bitches, you know, in the car with me and blah, blah. Then I'm gonna have this, and I'll be wearing Gucci and draped in this, this, and this. And it was like a goal for me to have like something, you did know, you and then- to, Did you get it? Man, and then some, right? Like later in life though, you know, of course. That's what I'm saying, did you, you end up getting that car? No, I ended up getting a better car, but I'm saying like, you know. That's what I was I mean, the first day, I, you know, I made my million. The second day, I went to Beverly Hills Ferrari and got a Ferrari. The first thing I did, went to K-Town and drove it. And my boys driving around, so you got to get one of these. Like, how are we going to get one? <laughs> right. And, you know, I'm like, look, man. How I, work- I get one? Shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, look, I worked at Burger King, you know, making 375 an hour, you know. And, and, and in the in the room, you got people from South Central. You got people from Compton. You got people from all over the place. And it's like, we all here, man. And some of these guys might have $500 in their bank account. They might have, I had nothing. And I'm just working at the bottom, washing tables, whatever, doing drive-through, doing anything. And I'm like, look, somehow, some way, I, I, I started there and, and got to where I am. I felt like, I wonder where those people are now. But my mentality was never, even though I was broke, like, financially, mm-hmm. I was never broke mentally. Like, my dreams and I had everything I said, it's going to go there. I don't care what nobody say. Um, that I'm focused, I'm locked in, and, and, and nothing's gonna stop that. And that's one big thing that I came back to, um, even though I didn't grow up with a lot of Korean people, I want the Korean kids to understand that you ain't gotta be goofy, man. You ain't gotta be on some like, own a nail shop, liquor store, bodega, whatever the fuck it is that, you know, or dry cleaners or whatever it is. Look, I played ball, you know, I broke a lot of stereotypes. I broke this, that did this, this, and this. Why don't you do what the fuck you wanna do? If you wanna be like Steph Curry, Fucking go out and do whatever you want to do. If you want to be like Elon Musk? Go, man. Look, I never really put it on one, you know, one thing. I didn't know what I wanted to do. When I was a kid, I thought I wanted to be an actor. Never really acted. I might have been in movies and stuff, but you know, I was like, look, man, never, you know, put put any limitations mm-hmm. on yourself. Mm-hmm. I was always taught that too. My mom always used to be like, you so much more than a basketball player. I never knew what the fuck she was talking about. I used to be like, <laughs> 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 I used to be like, gee, I, I do other stuff and it's fun and it's cool, but I definitely am a basketball player. And the older I got, I don't know, it just didn't mean much when people be like, you play basketball. I used to be like, I actually do a lot of stuff. Like, y'all made me go to school. I'm actually pretty well-rounded out this yeah. motherfucker like and i used to start feeling the way toward us but as i've gotten out of plan i've been doing a lot of different shit so i, I definitely feel you on the putting me in a box it just mm, don't work sure. like i feel like my life go the same way i just pick up stuff and try it. but imagine if your instagram name was at iman shumpert mba do you know what i mean or iman shumpert baller like you know, oh, yeah, just it just ties you it would like Come on, man. And again, I don't even know. It like, kind of dampens the brand a little bit. People probably expect this man to go to sleep with all his chains on and shit. You I used sleep to, with all your yeah, chains? Yeah, I was just about to say, I probably I, would expect I was that. really stupid back in the day, bro. There so, was a yeah. point in time where I was a wild boy. Like, I would I would have, like, yeah, chains, you name it. There was... Jew, What's I, the most chains you've had on at once? Oh, I don't know, 25 chains on one Get time. the fuck out of here. Yeah. So I he couldn't even million. stand up. 
I had a towel on my neck because the circulation of blood was cut from my neck. Mm-hmm. It was so heavy that I had to wear a towel around my neck. And people for a while were like, why you just got a towel on your neck? And my best friend at the time, rest in peace, Jonas, he owned a brand called LRG that he started in his mom's backyard and ended up being a quarter billion dollar company. So we would go all over the place together and do silly shit. The problem was I would be so faded. I would be so like slumped over. Like I would be just having the jewelry on and whatever. And, and um, I just felt like that was my identity. Like Superman wears his, his mm-hmm. S on his chest. I had chains on. I felt like I had to. And then, um, I don't know, at a certain point, I don't remember exactly when it was, I was like, eh. I mean, it's pretty obvious, right? I think people know. And if they, <laughs> they didn't, did. if they didn't know, then then who cares? Yeah, right. And right. so- um. Because you got enough clientele mm-hmm. within circulation. No, for sure. You know, and I think that uh, more people, you know, I, I, anything I've ever entered in, whether it be the music business, whether it be DJing, whether it be certain things, it's not that I tried to stand out. I just didn't want to be, you know, the typical. So, you know, um, when I won Jeweler of the Year, even, you know, I had my sister style me. She put me in a Dior suit, right? Boom. Came downstairs and the lady was like, what are you wearing? And I'm like. I mean, I didn't say this to her, I was like, bitch, I'm wearing a Dior home suit, you know what I mean? I don't look good. She's like, uh, we wanted you in your street clothes. You got your Supreme stuff. I was like, yeah, I'll be right back in 15 minutes because I felt more comfortable in that. Mm-hmm. But you see a jeweler back in those days, like, you know, they're at least wearing a collared shirt. They, have a, they all look the same. And I was like, man, fuck that, man. My jeans are sagging. I got a white tee, 2X tall. Like, mm-hmm. it, I just had a different approach with everything. That's right. Yeah. Speaking a little bit about that different approach, uh, what are some other lessons you learned, like back, you know, back in your younger career, uh, you know, just about standing out? Lessons, man. You know, I think when I started out in jewelry, I really had no direction. I knew that Jacob the jeweler was was the man at the time, and I was like, all right, so I don't want to be him. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to be the next right, Jacob right. the jeweler. I'm trying to be the first Ben Baller. So that right there already, I was on the right direction part. But then it was like, how am I going to get clients? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? Um, one thing is, and everyone does it, when you become a jeweler, right, you're trying to figure out how do I get cosigns? How do I get this? And one lesson that I learned was rappers don't pay for jewelry. They, if, if you could give them an inch, they're going to take 17 miles. You know, they're going to like, you know, you do a payment plan, you do this, and you start chasing people for things. And a lot of people give away free jewelry mm-hmm. for uh, shout outs, or they give a discount, or they whatever, and they try to cut corners. And it's just like, look, man, cheap jewelry ain't good, and good jewelry ain't cheap. You know, manifesting is a motherfucker. Like, you know, and I manifest. Is that something you had to like learn, or did somebody tell you, you know, this is the right way to go? You know about what? It? Honestly, to tell you the truth, because you think were trying I, so many I, different things. Yeah, I just kind of was doing like it's almost like golf. It's like touch and feel. Sometimes you could have as many lessons as you can, right? But you might be in a situation where you have a bad line, the ball sitting like between cement and like a rough. Mm-hmm. Like, how do I hit this up, this one out of here? There ain't really no less. There's like, oh, you could do exactly. this. And like, you have to kind of take the L or, or try three times and maybe try 17. Maybe you ain't figured it out. Maybe you did. And I think with jewelry, I really brought together a different thing. Like, you know, like not just making it just about one, like, you know, it, it was more hip hop. But I wasn't about to alienate the rock stars or the country singers or Michael Jackson or whoever it may be. I was trying to cater everyone. You know, everyone was going after whoever was in this pop chart or whatever these rap charts. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck that. I hit up Dr. Phil. And people were like, Dr. Phil? I'm like, bro, trust me, man. Y'all sleeping on this other shit. There's a lot of money out there. You got to put your name on it. And I remember reaching out to Dr. Phil because his son was a friend of mine. And I'm making joy for his wife, making joy for these people. And, the, and I had to chase Dr. Phil for no money, you know? It was right, like, right. It was a different thing. I think um, marketing-wise, 
some of the things that I did back then on MySpace and shit like that, you know, um, those are things that I, that I had to learn, you know, how effective is this? Okay, well, cool, well, great. Justin Bieber is a great person to wear your jewelry. His fan base is like 13, 14 year olds. None of them got money to buy jewelry. Okay, you know what we do? We're gonna make some t-shirts. Let's make some t-shirts that are like 15, 25, $30. Now it's affordable, boom. Mm. I've made my brand name affordable to people. They can't afford the jewelry, but they can't afford the jewelry, but they can afford the t-shirt, right? I had to really like, you know, figure out every single angle of, of the game. And I understand how, how much merch was important, you know? Does that, do, do you have a team that you go to, to to lean on for that stuff like that? Or is that stuff that you're just birthing on your own? Man, I, I have some people that, that I've leaned on in the past. This is one thing that I also learned is as cool as you are with someone, where they be, see with basketball, like when you're a teammate, you guys are traveling together, there's a different camaraderie, there's certain things. When you're on the street, you have your people, but at the same time, like, when you rely on somebody else who might be successful as well, I notice for the most part, unless they're a dear friend and there's somebody like, you know, not an acquaintance, mm -hmm. but a friend, it's like, all right, well, hey man, can you help me with this? And like, I, I, need, I need a, and I know that term bothers people and it kind of bothers me now, pick your brain. Basically, someone wants some free advice, you know? And like, when I have somebody, you know, help me out or introduce me to somebody, which I get it, if, if it becomes profitable, you should help whenever, mm -hmm. or there's, mm -hmm. unless the person ain't tripping. I always realized the favor in return was not worth it. I know. Like, you know, they think, you know, okay, well, yeah, shit. Oh, can we get 10 chains? The fuck 10 chains for a five minute conversation? Like how the fuck? Yeah, so I kind of just really relied on being independent. I've always been that lone wolf, which is weird. I have a little crew, you know, people, but like it got smaller and smaller and smaller as I got older. And, you know, it Sounds was really- like him. Yeah, it, it, it really, it really, real, it's, it, it's tough to be around people. And it's sad because, you know, you'd be like, oh, man, you know, um, you always think someone has an ulterior motive. And even sometimes I figure out, like, it may happen months later. I'm like, I just realized when that chess move yeah. happened, this dude, you know, is playing chess. And, and I'm not mad about this one because this is something that could benefit mm -hmm. me, too. But you start realizing that people come and look at you and have an angle. So, yeah, a lot of it was kind of. Let me just figure this out. Real talk. <laughs> or let me sit back and let you tell on yourself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Basically. Yeah. What's your, give me your favorite, uh, your favorite moments and lessons in the music business. Man. Because I know, I know we, we, we're touching on marketing and I love that because People don't understand, especially going into this digital world, marketing is like the number one thing you have to know how to do. Whether knowing how to do it through school, you still gonna need trial and error and you gonna need somebody that fell on their face before and put some real money behind it. One of my favorite moments probably was DJing at this restaurant that Denzel had owned. Um, it, was, it was a Jamaican restaurant called Creek Alley and it was right on Melrose, right in the heart. It was not what Melrose is now. This was a little more cooler like this it wasn't so poppy and, and and social media related type things but i remember that uh this is you know half-owned black place with some other big clients that owned the side, like jack nicholson some other people who were big in hollywood but the, like it was weird like one night it'd be like white people listening to rock the other night it'd be like queen latifah you know jada pinkett these type of people and it'd be like a cool mix but it's still jamaican food mm -hmm. right and I remember that uh, they were going to an Oscar De La Hoya fight. And at this point, there'd been a couple fights there. And they're like, look, we don't, have, we don't have places with fights. 
this is an upscale place, blah, blah. And I was like, it was going in one ear out the other. And I remember those nights that I was playing like music I didn't even know anything about, like rock music. I was like, people would look up the DJ booth like, man, what the fuck is going on, bro? You got to turn this shit off. This shit driving me crazy, right? They said, hey, we're going to a fight. They're taking a PJ like at 4 or 5 p.m. And I would get there early. And then they're like, don't play no fucking hip hop in here. Don't play no drive-by music. Don't play no gangster shit in here. Don't play none of that shit. And I was like, man, I'm not. Let me trip. I was like, fuck you talking about? I'm cool, man. And um, they all left to go to the fight. I knew they weren't coming back to at least midnight or one. Mm-hmm. At that point, you know, fuck it. Play that shit, right. So I chilled out. I was playing like Earth, Wind & Fire, a lot of funk, Roy Ayers. And all the Jamaican, you know, chefs like, yo, throw on some reggae dance halls, throw on some reggae, was kind of mixing it in, boom. Mm-hmm. Dr. Dre walks in. And he'd been there many times before. He's sitting right at the end of the bar. I'm raised up. And I look at him, sit down. I know he likes Long Island Tees. Like, I'm, I'm really just, I'm, I'm, you know, he's my, I'm, I idolize this man. I changed every single TV screen in there to all black exploitation films. I put on the Mac. I had on this and everything because mm. I knew Dre was all about that, right? So I started easing now into the 70s. We get to the 80s. I start getting slight gangster shit. Now, not necessarily NWA stuff, but I'm playing like all the, you know, cool shit. We, we, we go into a timeline through the records. And then I remember before I start getting into hardcore hip hop, I'm at like maybe Nas right now. First album, Illmatic. And I remember I pulled up, went down to the bar just because I was mm-hmm. like, you know, fuck right. it, let me see. And I sat like, you know, he's over here, I'm right here. And I'm not even paying attention to him. I just know he's going to say something. And he goes, hey, youngster, what you know about all that black music, man? What's going on? What's <laughs> up with you, man? I was like, bro, I grew up on this, man. You know, that's what I'm playing. He's like, shit, man, keep going, man. I, you know, I've never been here on a night like this. And I was like, yeah, man, it's going to get better. Mm. Pac comes in, Jada's in, the whole place. Jason Kidd is pulling through here. I played against Jason in high school. So it was like, it was a crazy vibe that was going on. I had this place fucking rocking, right? Like it was crazy in there. And people were like, yo, I'm talking like oohs, ahs. It was the first time I had all this shit going on. And I remember looking down at everyone and Dre, every song, Dre was like, keep going, keep going, right? Moment. Man, yeah. it might've been like 115 yeah, or something. That's... And the owners come back and they come back and they said some, some racist expletive shit. And like, man, what the fuck kind of, sh- what the hell is going on in here and blah, blah, whatever. And like, I remember Denzel's partner, this dude, Brad Johnson, he was like a super famous black socialite. He also owned a restaurant across the street called Georgia. And Georgia was like the only five-star soul food restaurant in all of LA. It was a great place. And I remember um, he was like, no, hold on, wait a minute though. This dude is talented, man. We hired him not to do like, you know, he's got it popping in here, boom. After I did that night, Jada ended up doing her birthday party there. I ended up doing the black Oscar party. I ended up doing the black um, Grammy party for, 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 uh, uh, Quincy Jones and it ended up leading to things Drake took my phone number called me up I ended up getting a job at Death Row Records you know so that was like the intro right there like mm-hmm. that started all that there's a, a longer version of it but I went on my gut and said look you're gonna fire me you ain't paying me much anyway fuck it you know I'm gonna that, go for it yeah it led to a job that's crazy how shit like that like opportunities like that can uh, and, and you know another important thing on. was a lot of people who and it's sad because Hip hop ain't that old. Mm-hmm. You get kids now, the deals have been structured totally differently. I'm completely out of the music game, but they still don't understand what the, the, the part of ownership. Mm-hmm. It's really standard to give up a, a lot of your publishing, right? You write a song, you do something, whatever, boom. 
you give up that ownership, man. Look, if shit don't go right for you, whatever, 20 years down the line, this might be able to be, you know, you're going to get your royalty checks, anything, mm -hmm. boom. You give that all away, you're fucked. And a lot of people did that. I never understood that. I had a black accountant named Carl Planner who did a lot of people's business. And he said, read this book by Kashif, everything you need to know about the, 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 the music business and everything, right? I didn't read. I hated reading. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not Kanye, but I'm saying like, I didn't like reading books, right? But I read the book and it opened my eyes. And I was like, it's fucking crazy, man. These, these, uh, these white cats that own the labels never told me to read this. And I'm a fucking vice president of, of you know, and there I knew how undersold I was and mm -hmm. how under, and just certain things that I was doing. So now I looked at the business totally different. And a moment of clarity had hit. I was renegotiating my contract. I was getting paid more than I've ever been paid. I finally getting six figures. I just signed a contract. And I knew that my deal was cool. I was content. It was enough to keep me in, you know, Jordans and whatever. Mm -hmm. But I had no publishing. I had no points. I had nothing. And I was like, look, man, this just, this is fucked up. We had just signed Jay-Z. Jay was unhappy about a few things. And I'm thinking of a chess move here. Mm -hmm. Do I go behind my boss's back and try to see if Jay is down to bring me to Rockefeller? And I was already part of the family. Like, what am I going to do? I get a call from Dre and Bruce, his right-hand man, was like, hey, we starting this new record label up. Mm -hmm. I don't have time for this, that, for you to think about shit. I got two weeks, you got this. You in or you out. I just signed a fucking contract to, you know what I mean? So I'm talking to some business people and they're like, Ben, I'll be honest with you, man. It may look bad. This is an opportunity to a lifetime to work with, with your idol and maybe create history. And um, what's he gonna sue you for? This man's worth a hundred million dollars. You ain't got shit, can't really sue you. So I was like, you ain't gotta say shit else. I'm done. I'm doing all. Yeah, yeah. I called Dre, I'm like, Dre, I'm going, let's go. And then everyone in the office knew I was leaving. At the time, it wasn't called Aftermath Entertainment, but I was leaving Aftermath. My boss had to find out like super late. So by the time I'm telling him, he goes, get the fuck out of here, man. And the funny thing is me and him just reconnected recently. I introduced him to his wife too. So like how mad could he really get, right? Like it was a weird thing, but I made that move. That was crazy. Yeah. Man, that was crazy. Side, the way he side noted that was crazy. You yeah, I, I, mean? I made that move. Easy. And I remember now I'm working for a black owned record label. Things were different. We ain't got to be in the office at nine or eight. Because, mm -hmm. you know, New York starts three hours later. Right. Motherfuckers got to the office at one o'clock. We had the studio. I ain't got to be around. Boom. It was a whole different thing. We smoking weed. We, we chilling. You know what I mean? It was a different vibe. And I remember like Dre's like, hey, man, we're going to Vegas. For what? He goes, oh, I'm about to do this new song. We just called this, this thing with Blackstreet called No Diggity. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember you playing in the studio. Song hadn't even been hit yet. You know what I mean? And I was like, oh, shit. Now I'm like, it was a different, we moved like a unit. My grandmother loved that song. <laughs> Fuck y'all, man. No, nah, for real, no, real talk. Oh, yeah, Cookout. see? We yeah, yeah. I'm being paid match for what I was getting paid, right? I have way more lax shit. I didn't mind working at 2 a.m. because it didn't feel like work. Yeah, you know, we just chilling. Dre got everyone there, car. All the girls got Explorers. At the time, that was a cool car. And then Expeditions was like, there was no Escalade back then. That right. was the hottest shit. And I'm like, man, this is fucking unbelievable. This is that, this man, I've made, you know, this is it. I remember I got my first big check from Dre. And I remember everyone talking about like, yeah, man, I'm about to put 15 speakers in my car. I'm about to do this, this, and this. My boy, like, oh, I'm about to go here. I'm about to do this, this, and whatever. And um, as everyone left, Dre pulled me to the side. 
And he's like, hey, Ben Yang. He wouldn't call me Ben Baller. Refused to. I don't know why. And I was like, what's up? He's like, so uh, what you going to do with your money? And I was like, why the fuck you ask me, man? Like, you know what I'm saying? You ain't asked ask Love. You ain't asked Stu. You ain't asked Butter. You ain't asked none of them. Why are you asking me? And he goes, because you my Asian. And I'm like, uh, I don't know, man. You know, I'm going to get some clothes and, you know, this and that. And he's like, don't lie to me, bro. In my mind, I already know I'm going to get a BMW and a Rolex. It's the first thing I'm doing, right? And he's like. That's where the look man comes and he's, from. And he said, don't do no N-word shit. And I'm like, in my face, I was like, okay, okay. Dude, I had an appointment at Century West BMW. I already had like a thing. So the next day. I got it. I got yeah, it. The next day, there's an M3 parked in a lot with chrome wheels out of Rolex. Dre pulls up late. There's like 15 cars in the parking lot. He sees the car. Somehow he knew it was fucking mine. Doesn't talk to me the whole time. And he was just like, he was just disgusted, right? I'm like, how the fuck you get mad at me? Everyone's doing this, this. He goes, man, I expect more out of you. He was like, look, bro, they wake up every day, you know, having a certain skin color. They can't do certain things. Like, I, like, you, you, like I could use you, you know what I'm saying? You can get in the doors that they can't. There's different things. And I'm like, man, I'm tired of all this, hearing this mm-hmm. shit and whatever. Boom. And he was like, stop, listen to me. And it's the first time I ever heard this in my entire life. This is like 1996, 1997. He says, making a million dollars is easy. Mm-hmm. You got a lot of talent. He said, keeping a million dollars is not easy. And it fucked me up because I remember the few times I went broke before I turned 30, that always hit me in the head mm-hmm. and it stuck with me. And to this day, it even sticks with me. Like, I, 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 always, I, mean, I mean, in a way, like, I act broke. You know, I act like, all right, cool, whatever. No, whatever. I'm, I'm content with mm-hmm. stuff and I don't think like, you know, I get a big check. All right, cool. Maybe 10% I could go fuck off and do something and the rest of it doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was a that was a big time in my life. And, and those times I cherish because, you know, I got to meet so many amazing people through Dre. And uh, during the East Coast, West Coast beef, Pac had died. Biggie had died. Um, I was with Pac a week, like a week before he had died, almost a week before he died. I was with Biggie in the studio a week before he died. And like... These things are kind of weird. Mm-hmm. So we're going to New York now to work on this American Pimp soundtrack. And I'm going to meet with Eric Sermon, going to meet with a bunch of rappers out there. And the Grammys is in New York for the first time in a while. And California Love is up for uh, a Grammy. And Dre goes, hey, man, um, I can't make it out there. I don't think he was scared, but it was definitely like there was beef. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? People weren't going out there. And there was also issues with Suge and everything going on. So he's like, hey, man, I don't think we're going to win. But maybe they do win because of, of Pac. Mm-hmm. He's like, but we win. I want you to go up on behalf of Aftermath Entertainment, go and accept the award. And I was like, shit, this is fucking incredible. In the whole mind, I'm like, dog, there's a chance. There's a chance. There's a chance. Cross, uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony won for Crossroads. And I was like, man, I, fucking, I hate that fucking mm. song. You know, it was a good song, but you know, I was trying to. Uh, but the, 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 the responsibility he gave me was like, you know, it was, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was life changing, you know, like it was funny. At a certain point, I didn't mind him calling my Asian, you know, I didn't feel like some like, like some toy or some thing. It it, it was, you know, he was, he, he, he was right. Mm -hmm. He's like, there's some shit that we might not be able to do, but we can get you in there. I mean, that's, that's what this shit take. I think a lot of this shit, which is why I was asking you earlier, um, just the route on, uh, how people lead and how people mentor you, uh, it, it sometimes just takes multiple brains or somebody that can see like, hey, you good at this, you good at mm-hmm. this. How about we do this? 
you focus on this, you focus on, you know what I'm saying? Just to walk through a door. Did you ever feel like in those times, the reason you couldn't hear it was because it's the same thing we were talking about, not wanting to be in the box. Like right. I literally can't do it because you, you told me to do this. You ready for this? To this day now, and I don't think I even used it for 15 or 20 years or 10 years after that, I mean, I realized how much my Asian skin, how much, like, in any business I go into, I utilize that now. Oh, yeah. It's like to getting change. into a door a certain way, right? Now, I get in that door, I go to Korea, and I break in all this shit. So you motherfuckers stealing all this hip-hop shit, blah, blah. Let me show you how to do it at least right before you start fucking appropriating and doing some shit and making us look oh, stupid so. as fuck. And people are like, what? And it changed the, the landscape of what K-pop was or certain things because mm -hmm. there's a lot of, you know, things they do. And even in business now, whether it be golf now, golf is so big in Korea, it's probably bigger than anywhere else in the world. It is a very big deal. Like, it is almost like damn near where you have to learn how to play golf when you, and so I can use that mixture, use the hood street shit. I could use all this, bring both worlds together. And I take advantage of that when I'm in a boardroom or I'm on a golf course or something and I'd use that. And I always thank them like for that. And I also think about too, like when I think about even a client who's coming to me for new chain, I'm like, all right, cool. All right, so you got $150,000, okay. Have you paid off any debt? I don't have any debt, I'm 19. I'm like, all right, cool. Have you taken care of your mom? Is your mom good? He goes, oh, well, I was like, look, bro, take care of everything else that's important. People Take care of your peoples first. And after all that, if you still want to get something, then cool. Sometimes people came back to me. Sometimes people were just like, fuck this dude, he crazy. I'm going to fucking uh, TV Johnny, Johnny Dang, whatever. And I'm like, all right, go, whatever. I don't, I, don't, I don't need that, the bullshit business. I want the real business. I want longevity. But um, I did take a lot of things that I never learned. You know? Well, when my crib is done, I'm sitting down to a uh, sweatful <laughs> God. They've been working on my crib forever. Yeah, man. You ain't got to, hey, matter of fact, I, this is my last jury question. You ain't got to snitch on nobody. But what's the worst story, like, of somebody, like, not being able to pay for something? Or, like, you got to collect, but it's like, damn, on. Like, you just gave me the saddest story you could. Like I, you ain't have, you only if you gave them the chain or whatever you could tell me that too if you just gave no, it to them and no, took the no. L or like the worst that you ever had like dog I really got to chase you down for this. There's an A-list celebrity <sighs> who has gotten chains here and there, and then I realized he's mastered the way of finessing eight other jewelers because he's such a big name, and um, every time I'm like, bro connect me with your accountant. I'm going to send an invoice, boom. And in a way, they even knew what was going on. And they were like, he just knew how to finesse his way into not paying the bill. And it would be chipped down. And it's like six years now, right? And the, there's still like a $40,000 balance, which is like, all right, cool. It took like a year or two. I was like, he ain't never going to pay me. So what I'm going to do in return is we gonna, I'm going to get everything out of this motherfucker as I can. And in a way, it was a, it was a fair barter. But he never had intention because when I talk to other people, people hit me up and say, hey, man, how much did he pay for this? And a lot of people would lie because they were embarrassed, whatever it may be. But I got it the least worst because, you know, like I had jewelers. I mean, I had, I had rappers who had a number one or had a really big song in the streets. Mm -hmm. Go buy a crazy ass chain that my cousin decided to take the fucking job. And then he had to bring it back. And like you were saying before we got on camera, you know how people have old chains sit on display? Yeah. Rappers don't want their old chains on display. It's, exactly. it's embarrassing. They'd be like, yo, be like, 
even if it was just there, because uh, there were a lot of dudes from the hood that would bring their chains there because they didn't want to keep it at home. Mm -hmm. It was safer in the jewelry store because of security, whatever. And then they didn't want to display then, right? And we're just showcasing like, yo, we made this, boom. But like, the dude didn't want to pay the bill. Mm -hmm. And so we put the chain on display. And I think he heard it from so many people from the streets that finally he figured out a way to pay the chain. He's like, oh, fuck bro. this. Like, he's, uh, he, he came back and was like, hey, bro, embarrassment. he couldn't take the embarrassment because he saw it in my new store. It was sitting there. He goes, hey, I don't want my chain sitting in the display case. And I was like, all right, pay the bill. And he's like, bet. Like within like three days, he came back and paid the tab. Smart man. Hey, yeah. I ain't gonna lie. That's a smart little fact. You truly better get right. on the game. That Boy, is, I know y'all ain't. That I is a smart ain't little loophole. Shit. I know it. Yeah. yeah. We talked a little bit before just about your overall journey in hip hop. It's uh, basically multi multi-dimensional. Like yeah. you got multiple facets working. What's the key, do you think, to having multiple facets working at one time and keeping them successful? You know, a gardener, um, he might have one section that's like fruits. One might be like, um, not holistic. I'm trying to think of like, there might be one for like like herbs and mm -hmm. medicines and stuff. Then you got one dude who's like vegetables. Mm -hmm. That gardener might not be, you know, this is something I'm just completely coming off the top of the dome piece. never been asked I ain't gonna before. Lie. Perfect. This is fire. I ain't going to lie. Perfect. Hey, you got, depending on how you bring it in. Yeah. <laughs> you got a dude who literally might be great at doing these herbs. Mm -hmm. He might have paid less attention to the fruits and them fruits ain't flourished the way he wanted them to. Mm -hmm. Herb shit is going crazy. He gonna focus on the herbs, right? Vegetables is cool. It's enough to take care of, you know what I'm saying? Like maybe the garden and the upkeep and everything, cool, vice versa. I knew that with my marketing skills and me being around, there's only one me. I can only, you know, delegate certain people to do certain things. At the end of the day, you got to be there and be present to a certain extent unless you're just licensing your name out and trusting somebody to do something. Most of the time, they probably fuck that up because they have their own image of what they think you are. <laughs> when I planted all these seeds for these companies, I did it in a timeline and in a way where I knew it was like seasons. I was able to see, do these things in three, four seasons to where they kind of worked out and I had my time enough. Some of them overlapped, mm -hmm. and I dealt with those, you know, those little conflicts there. But I do realize that the more sunlight, the more water you put on these plants, the more things, the more love you give them, you know, boom. Some of these don't really, you know, flourish the way you want to, right? I went into these businesses only if I knew I could be married to them. Mm -hmm. And I think because I put a lot of love in them, and I think somehow, some way, even though all three brands were different worlds, mm -hmm. I was able to intertwine them together and that made it even easier. So in a way, it was like a collab amongst collab amongst a collab. And that was the only way to successfully do it, right? There were some seeds that were planted and they, they, they didn't, they didn't, right. first, they didn't grow up and they, they didn't, I, didn't, I was, you know, they weren't profitable or whatever. And I still thought like, damn, man, nobody want to see a seed not, not grow mm -hmm. and you feel bad. And then you learn like, all right, look, man, this is business. You know, you got to realize, like, you know, this shit is, you know, costing us, you know, right, boom, right. we're going to cut this out. I'm like, fuck. Because <laughs> you really believed in it. Yo, and, you did. I yeah. mean, why would you go in anything you don't believe, mm -hmm. right? Some people just like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be a podcaster. And it's a very big, big thing to do now. All right, cool. There's a lot of dedication. There's a lot of things. There's sound. There's this. You got to, you got to. Oh, know. this shit take all day. Yeah. <laughs> right. You ain't got to tell me. 
and there's editing, there's post production, what people right. do behind the oh, scenes right. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and then people think because you know whatever they they you know I'm on 316 episodes now. I ain't ran out of shit to talk. I mean even and you know like sometimes I'll go six months without a guest. And I know guests, having a guest on the show is a life hack. It's a hack. You know, you'll get more people, you attract the audience of theirs, whatever. I'm like, nah, fuck that. I'm going solo on that ass. Yeah, no, like, we noticed that. We were yeah. looking at a few episodes. If, if you can't man. fuck with me, period, then nah, boom. And we'll talk about everything, you know? And, and it's everything that I don't go because one of the biggest things about a podcast is, one, I feel like I have an interesting life. There's only so much I can say on Instagram. There's only so much I can do. Even a caption can be taken out of context. You listen to my energy on my show, ain't nothing being taken out of context. You hear it in real time. Mm -hmm. You hear me saying certain things. So, you know, even when I went into podcasting, I was like, let's see. I didn't have to water the plant that much. This motherfucker was LeBron. It was already like, boom, it was it was ready. Now I'm just doing upkeep. Mm -hmm. I ain't got to do too much, you know what I'm saying? Prepping or whatever. Um, my, my podcast is plug and play. Let me turn that mic on. I got a couple notes. This is what I'm gonna talk about today. Boom, turn the mic off. I'm good to go. That's what I knew. I was like, shit, I should have been always doing this. But, you know, it's never too late if you got something to say, you know. You know what? Can I say something that's just totally off track? Yeah. I spoke about this many times. Um, it's a fucked up thing that I can maybe name two black jewelers in the world. Mm. And you realize how racist the fucking game is. And I'm not trying to get political at all whatsoever. I'm just telling you two plus two equals four. It's mm -hmm. obvious. And uh, I, I starting to see a little couple, couple more pop up. And I'm talking about like popping. There was a dude named Chris Ayer who was the man, he was the ice man. This was like the biggest dude, he did all the NBA players he was doing, every celebrity. I don't know where Chris Ayer is now, he probably do stuff, but you know, they, they will blackball you, they'll do certain things, diamond dealers mm -hmm. won't deal with somebody in certain ways or whatever. But uh, this is growing up Erica Diggs, she's starting to kind of pop off and everything. But I always thought it was a goddamn shame that you know there should be more people out there doing it. I just don't think that they understand that you can go to a fucking community college and learn the basic 101 if, I'm just assuming you have a great business sense. The business side, I'm not worried about with Iman. It's the other part creative wise. Once you get your hands, and my hands will always have calluses and burning metals and stuff. Once you get that going, you get a team of people you trust and you quarterback this entire thing. You, you coach it, offensive, defensive coordinator and quarterback the whole situation. You'll realize why Andy Warhol didn't paint all his paintings. Other people did. He came in through his touch. Trey might not have played the piano and did this, this, and did all this with the drums and the guitar and everything. Boom. Came in and did it. Once you've mastered your craft, you have put everything together and you've orchestrated this. You don't have to put everything and do 95% of the work. You did all the work coming up to that point because I still can set a diamond. I can still put, do a final polish. I come in at the last minute and throw my touch on it and make it right. So like, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's a process, but once I started realizing like, yo man, I don't want to sell jewelry no more. I want to make it. And that was when my, I elevated my game to a different level. That's all I'm saying. It was just, it was just something where like, I think people, no, that's beautiful. they lack the education to, to, to really do. And like I said, you can go to a fucking community college and learn the basic shit. So at least you get that going. How would your attitude toward marriage and fatherhood evolved uh, over your life? You know what, man? I think that um, people have this, uh, and again, that a lot of people have PTSD from their childhood. Uh, my dad whipped my ass like on a regular basis. You know, it was like a, a normal Korean thing. My dad was involved in two two sections of, of life. It was education. He was a professor. 
and then it was the church. Mm-hmm. And uh, every time I talked to my, all my friends, be like, sound like a black dad, man, goddamn. Oh, you know? yeah, right. <laughs> and um, you know, we had to go to church and shit. And I remember, like, I hated church. No disrespect to anybody, I just didn't want to go all the time. Right? We, was, we know. Yeah, yeah, we know. So you know, um, unless you was sick as fuck, you had to go to church. And it just was like, I'm like, man, this is just some bullshit. And then education was such a big deal. And I understand that part. I get it. Mm-hmm. But at least the structure and even my kids being in school. But I think that because my childhood was traumatized by ass whoopings, you know, overly putting this, this, and this, and the lack of them being present because they're working so much and whatever, you would think that that person, like, you know, will follow suit or whatever. And I do notice a lot of my anger came from, like, the genetics of my dad being angry all the time, whatever. And I think that my wife came from such a loving house that, you know, she talks to her mom every single day and all these things and everything. I was like, damn, it was a totally different thing. Um, dating around, I, I, you know, I think I was a slut for most of my adult life. I was like, fuck this, man, I'm not locked. I'm Hugh Hefner and I'm gonna be this, this, and this. And you know, then I almost got married at one point, um, like in 2003, 2004, and I got caught cheating. And then that fucked me up because then I felt bad about it. I was like, damn, man, I really fucked this one up and boom. And then you get that second chance and I realized, I said, look, man, let me figure this all out. Um, I'm really serious about certain things and I don't think I was even mature enough to get mm-hmm. married at 31. And this ain't this wasn't for me. Um, I still get a lot of growing up to do. I got a lot of self exploration and, and improvement to do. And when I was ready, it was probably like around thirty six. I met my wife the next year, and I went through a fucked up situation where I was dating a chick who was crazy as shit. In a matter of three months, it felt like seven years. This chick had called the police on me, said I hit her, all this crazy stuff. Went to court, beat the case, everything. She was capping about everything, and she had a whole the whole motive her whole time was just to get some money out of sure. me. And I was like, wow. Throughout all that time, the recession was going on, I met my wife. And I never dealt with anybody who was so like, like even on the first date, like no kiss, no nothing. And I was like, yo, man, you know what? This ain't gonna work out, man. This is just, Mm -hmm. this is crazy, man. You should trust me better than that and blah, blah. But she was raised so right that it really changed my outlook on how everything went. Even before the marriage, like before the wedding day, like we were like in a shaky ground. And um, she taught me a lot about life, like real about marriage and love. And this is my wife is 11 years younger than me, you know, so she was at a different place, but she was ready to go. Our timing was aligned, which was great. Mm -hmm. And as a father, I realized yelling wasn't going to get through to the kids, like certain things. And um, I think because of the way I was raised, I became who I was and that's fine. But there's a lot of baggage that I had from that. And I said, I don't want to be my dad. I don't want to repeat that bullshit chain. I don't want the divorce. I don't want these things. I don't want this. My mom even told me, she's like, look, all I wanted your dad to tell me is if she would have told me once, I love you, I would have stayed. And he beat me and blah, blah, whatever. I was like, God damn, mom, shit. You know, um, I think that there's, you know, we've been married 10 years now, almost together for 13. And uh, there's been some up and downs. But I realized through all my travels, all my work and me hustling, being like, babe, how the fuck you think we live here? How do you think we live this mm-hmm. lifestyle, this and mm-hmm. this? She goes, that's cool and all. I'm just asking for a fucking date night. I'm asking for this, this, and this. And I was like, Simple. she ain't asking for very much. You know what I mean? And I like lost sight a couple times. And I think that with this new pivot in life, selling the companies is not a bad thing because I'm still up on top. I think spending, I'm spending more time with my kids and my wife more than ever. I find more joy in that. Yes, I could be making more money and whatever else. What though? You know, I'm never going right. to get to enjoy it if I don't right. get to enjoy my kids. So I think that the evolution of me is being home more, 
being involved in my son's golf lesson, being involved my, my balls, uh, my son's, uh, my other son's jujitsu, my daughter's ballet, going on family trips, experiencing all the cool shit we do as a dad, as a husband, as a family. And that's just where I'm at with it, really. That's all I care about in life now. That's dope as fuck. For real, for real. That's dope as fuck. Well, we're at that point in the show where we like to ask all of our guests who are on here, what are you working on in, in your personal life about yourself? Like, what are you working on improving? I'm working on improving not wanting to kill the person at the red light that doesn't go and the light turns green. Um, <laughs> Immediately. No, I'm playing. I'm, I'm, I am working on road rage. Um, I am working on uh, not sounding so condescending a lot. I, I think that sometimes I come off in a certain way like, what? Girl, man, shut up. You know, and I'm not even explaining oh, like why. Yeah, the just stories like, too I, much? No, no, just like anything. Like, oh, I, I don't know, just I think even it could be like a restaurant. Hey man, let's go to Roscoe. What do Roscoe's for? You know, I don't know. I just oh, I feel I like my mean. energy is always being no, no. I, I'm just trying to be more. Even though I've been a very open-minded person in my life, um, I, I am working on being a little bit more uh, uh, nicer in how I reply to people and oh, talk to people. My wife be all over me for that shit. Yeah, she you know, I my think delivery. My delivery is really bad. Oh. I think, <laughs> but um, it's, it's is is it not falling into this like there's like a groove that men fall into. That it's just I don't know. It's the 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 primal feeling of I primal. call it. I just call it niggadom. <laughs> Real niggadom. He was trying to be just, correct. Yeah, I was trying <laughs> politically to correct. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm just saying primal because it's like it's stripped of all the fucking rules yeah. and the fucking expectations, well, and it's back to the regular that's, shit. Like that's I'm the a problem. Dude. No, like, we that's the problem. We could get up with that. Like I could understand if he came in the office one day, and yeah. I know every other day he don't act the fool, but he come in today and he's acting fool. I'm like, yeah, something wrong with him. I'm telling you, like, what, what's yeah. fucking I'm not people tripping. up is that you Asian and you sound like that. Your delivery is. So chill. Uh, you know, um, no one really goes and says hi to anybody anymore. I'm just, mm. I, just be more kind. You know, um, I like and and I, like I think that, that uh, um, the anger management thing, I don't even think it's about me being upset. I just think that I'm an intense person. So sometimes I'll be like, man, why the fuck did you let them in? You know, but why, man, like you know, and just like getting in other people's business, not necessarily be like, oh, you fucking. <laughs> You fuck with them, bro. I'm not fucking with you. Or sometimes right. I wouldn't even give them an answer. Like, yo, man, Ben ain't been around for a while. Blah blah. I may figure it out. Like, what's going on? Man, I don't you rock don't with like dude, bro. Yeah. And like, what's or having beef with somebody? This is something. The biggest thing. <laughs> I thought about it today. One of my best friends. We didn't talk for like six months. And I remember in the first four or five months while we didn't talk, I was mad. It's been like a year and a half now. I don't even remember what the fuck I was mad about. Yeah. And that shit really fucked me up. I was like, man, you know what, bro? Like, I wish. I could have just been the bigger fucking man. And sometimes it is really hard for me to just, mm -hmm. you know, to let it go. But like, I don't even remember what the fuck I was mad at him for. But that's letting it go. Yeah. No, but what I mean is like, <laughs> it wasn't significant enough to <laughs> right. like, you know. It clearly was. You got mad. Yeah. No, but, but I'm saying, saying like, he didn't. Overall, it doesn't make oh, a lot yeah, of sense. Yeah. 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 Try to talk to my wife or try to, out. he didn't steal no money. You know, it was, it was just, it was, <laughs> it wasn't again, you know, you know, okay, I'm sorry. Let it's me like disagreement. It. It's like a disagreement. About, let me sum it all up. I got to be less petty, man. Petty. I gotta be less petty, you know what I'm saying? Hey, I do honest. think I think I do think it's like a slight part of entertainment for me sometimes. Like, <laughs> oh no, like, it definitely I love is. The yeah. yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. Like that Larry David oh, type moment yeah. where you can't too. really let it go. It's like, God yeah. damn it! Like I can't hear that. Oh, I can't see that. 
Yeah, yeah well, we years. know. We oh, know. no, bro. Yeah, we know. Everybody I'm at home listening knows. And founder and and, and the, the chairman of Petty. Yeah, I just, I think it's, it's yeah, the it's, chairman it's of I got to chill. The chairman of Petty is fucking <laughs> yeah. crazy. Hey, That's coming soon. Every show, I like to tap in with the fans on social media to answer some of them burning questions you don't get to ask because I'm probably not around, as my man being just said. All right, which one we got today? This one comes in from IG. It's at Queen V underscore. They want to know, Iman, should I invest in crypto? Ooh, should I invest in crypto? Um, you mean right now? Yeah, I don't know if now's the time. <laughs> Actually, no. Now could be the time. It depends on what's down. I never buy when things are up. I buy when they're down or when they're first getting started. Um, for real. Um, I would say... Just whatever cryptocurrency you're gonna invest in, like it on your own. Don't like don't pick yeah. one because somebody else picked it. Do your research and have your reasons that you like it. Read all the tech guys and all them they tweets. I know you don't want to follow them. Follow all of them, <laughs> <laughs> especially Elon Musk. That Run boy, the numbers hold, that boy the got his thumb on y'all. <laughs> yeah, man. But the, the influence sometimes it's just uh, he say she say. Those numbers go up and down. You can be successful. I wouldn't put uh, I wouldn't put my house up on it. Uh, so if you got leftover money, yeah, it's, please it's good don't to bet play the house. In. But don't bet the house. <laughs> Do please not don't. Bet the house. And make sure you can afford a haircut for your beard while you're investing. Oh yeah, no, make sure this is extra money. What about you, Ben? What about you? Yeah, you investing? Um, you investing? I've been involved in crypto for a long time, for a uh, very, very yeah, long time. Yeah, and I have to say, I, I I'm involved in crypto. Uh, you don't got that H bar. Yeah, I think right. that people have to understand that it's a long term game. Mm -hmm. Um. I tend to forget about the crypto I have, right? Because I don't want to think about it because sometimes it can stress you out looking at it every day. It's going to drive you crazy. Um, but you are right. You know, if you let any... I mean, there's some people you might be influenced by that, whatever. That's cool because you've seen that they're sitting there. And I think I got in at a great time because, you know, it could be down right now. It's still, man, I'm way the fuck up. So, like, you know, I just, like, there's times I'll be like, oh, damn, I should have sold here and there. There's, I should have done a lot of things. Mm -hmm. But, you know, again, it's like, don't ever invest in anything you can't lose. Just it's simple as that. I know it sounds fucked up, but it's it's the truth, you know. Um, nothing in life is guaranteed, man, you know. But it it is it is a unique thing. It's it's made me a lot of money, and uh, why would I sit there and talk bad about it, you know? Right. It's just it's just like it's it and it it is. We are really still in the early stages. I feel like you know there's still sure. a long. Oh yeah, don't get it twisted. We laughing about game. it, but it's, it's the, definitely the investment is a long game. Like yeah. it's not, and a, it's going to change a bunch of different stuff. I, I guess we should have said that yeah. if you're yeah. if you're investing in crypto um, for a quick a quick flip, I yeah, don't think you that. should do it. Yeah. yeah. Now, if you want to play the long game, this this probably the time, man. This, yeah. You know what I'm saying? You could get active as long as you got your nest egg over here that you're not touching. <laughs> You, you better have that nest egg in your backup extra plan. Extra money. Exactly. This is extracurricular yeah. activity. This ain't the rent money, all right? <laughs> <laughs> all right, Ben, before we let you go, man, you want to do any promos? Yeah, we need plugs, to shout you out, man. You know, you ain't got the double B hat for me, yeah. you feel me? Oh, man, I'm sorry. You know, again, <laughs> <fucking> usually. <laughs> but I usually do bring always. I gets, and it was like, today was I'm a I'm happy as a day. trucker hat, too. I respect it. It's yeah. respected. He's from that era, too. He already Yeah, know. the trucker yeah. is respected. I am, man. That's that's you know nothing, man. You know, um, um, it's pretty simple, man. You know, um, I'm Ben Baller. Any social media, um, I have a lot of projects coming up. I have things with Taylor May Golf. You know, Taylor I May have Golf. um, shit. I'm just trying to even think. I have 
but I do have a lot of things coming up. Uh, you know, network app is is something I do a lot of work with. I have my Tops Chrome um, baseball card dropping. So Tops Chrome is the Maybach of baseball cards. I have cards that are worth seventy five thousand dollars with my name on them. Jesus Christ! The thing with 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 the baseball card and the hobby industry, and you you're on basketball cards and stuff. The business has gone so crazy, like crypto has, it just with everything during that mm -hmm. time. I am the first person ever in history that wasn't a pro baseball player that has his own Chrome set. So there's Topps Baseball. There's like Premier, there's this, then there's Chrome. Chrome's their high-end level. Mm -hmm. Then there's Chrome Sapphire, which is even above, right? And then there's Topps Chrome Ben Baller, which is the most wildest shit in the entire world. Like, why not Derek Jeter? Why not anybody What's else? What's the picture? Uh, no, it's not a picture. So basically, I'm des I designed my own set of baseball cards yeah. for each season. This is my third season doing the MLB. I have an MLB endorsement. Oh. And I designed Ben Baller design. Like, Fuck you know, a like, car for him. He going to make the cars for everyone. You made them for everybody. Yeah, you for everyone. The cool thing is um, it's dropping like in the next month, no, about two months from now. And um, finally, I have my actual first rookie card. And I'm not an athlete, so it's kind of a weird thing. It's it's. It's pretty crazy that mm -hmm. I never thought I'd have actually have my own card that, and it means something because- Oh, um, you do have a card. My card's coming out this year for the first time. After my third season finally doing this, they decided like, Get you know what, bro, you're popular. Why don't you have your own rookie card? So they have a rookie card dropping with this set, and it, it's, it's obviously gone through the MLB. It's been approved. It will be traded and everything else. So not only do I have cards That's with my- so with my so He gonna be up there like- Yeah. Oh, you nah, gonna have a bag? No, no, no. <laughs> what are you no, doing? No. That's what I'm saying. What's the photo? I'm, I'm, oh, you I'm, can't I'm, tell me. No, no, no. I could tell you. So I'm wearing a suit. Um, it was at the NFL Honors because I made the NFL chain of the year for all these for like a lot. I did a lot of NFL things, but it was a cool chain picture they wanted to use. Y'all hear it. You know, so yeah, so um basically I've always had the cards like an Aaron Judge card, and you see the BB on the side, and the design's different, like a little sparkle in it, like my my design on it. But then now my actual card is coming out. And that's pretty cool because people who buy baseball cars now and they trade them and I I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you, it's probably gonna be worth some money, you know what I'm saying? That's because it's, so it's, it's cool. gonna be traded. Yeah, yeah like, for sure. For sure. It shows up. you what you that body of work that you've done and you've created value. That's for sure. We used to have our little books back in the day, remember? We had yeah. big books. And now I don't know why we did all that. We fought over them shits and shit. That was stupid. Well no, remember it was a hand <laughs> we it was a handful of them cards that were over two hundred dollars. I remember we had That's cool. it wasn't what it was now. Like, no, we, had, now. we had Beckett's and all of that all the I time. I mean, bro, LeBron has a car. He said he did. I don't know. I don't know LeBron. LeBron, there was a card that sold for like two point something, and it wasn't the highest, but it's still when you get into the millions, yeah. it's it's a rare, and it's a real rare uh, LeBron uh, black chrome um, uh, rookie, and he's like, I got a couple of those. I was like, oh fuck, of course he does, because I'm sure when you become a rookie, you want to try to have a couple. Some people they like to keep their rookie cards, whatever, oh, yeah. but as a rare one, and I'm sure he was able to get it for maybe five thousand, three thousand back then. It's in the M's now, bro. You know this is a it's a different level now. Mm -hmm. So like. You know, there's. Oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's getting crazy. Oh, that's ridiculous. I, I'm gonna dig all my old basketball cards up. Y'all want them? You got them, bro. I don't even know why I was collecting them. Ben Baller, man, thank you for coming to the show. Thank you guys. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. We just wrapped up with Ben Baller. We had a great conversation with him. I learned a lot. It's nice to talk to somebody older. Sorry, what was your biggest takeaway? I feel like he set the theme of always looking forward to the next project and not really, you know, putting too much hope into any one thing. 
basically become a master at each craft that he started. Like he started with breakdancing, went on to uh, A&Ring, jewelry, like no matter what it was, he put almost the same amount of dedication into everything, even his collabs. And I feel like that's like, you know, really the key to his whole entire situation, just being, again, that opportunist. That was probably my biggest takeaway from his story. I say my biggest takeaway, marketing. All I heard from him, of course, he's multifaceted, but I think I was trying to find the common ground between everything that he was doing. And it seemed like the common ground is his ability to market everything that he's doing, from his name to seating jewelry. It's like every move he made marketing-wise was for business. So he, he was very business-minded. So I think my biggest takeaway today is just to, to, to always think with a business mind and go into things understanding that I'm going to have to, in some way, shape, or form, pay for marketing yeah. to get any type of return on anything. He was also ahead of his time because marketing yourself wasn't that big back then. As always, thank you for rocking with us on Iman Amongst Men, powered by Shape Moisture Men. I'm your host, Iman Shumpert. And I'm Ari Shumpert. Make sure you go rate, comment, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And to watch the full video episode, head over to Uninterrupted's YouTube channel every Monday after the show drops. Click and subscribe so you don't miss out on each episode. Until next time, we are gone. gone.